Welcome to the show. I am your host, Michael Aceta, author of The Dog Training Cheat Codes, founder of Matador Canine Brilliance, and the host of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast. Today, we're going to be talking about what happens when your dog plants their feet on a walk. They don't want to go forward, they don't want to go back, and you're just stuck. You're frozen in time, you're trying to get on with your walk, and your dog isn't. How do we stop this from happening in the first place? How do we fix it when it does happen and prevent it from happening in the future? We're talking about that now on today's episode. Before we dive into that, walking your dog on a leash does not need to be complicated. There's, in fact, three very simple steps, and I laid them out in a nice PDF download. Click the link in the description, download the PDF, and you will never have this problem. You'll never have a problem of them pulling you. You'll never have the problem of them stopping if you just follow those three simple steps. So go get that. It's absolutely free. My gift to you. Please take advantage of it. But what do you do? Your dog just stops. They kind of plant their feet. I've had many puppies just like they put the brakes on. They're not going anywhere. I've had older Huskies do this to me. We're walking across the street and they stop in the middle of the street. That is a problem. There's a safety concern now. In an emergency, the only thing you can do is move your dog. Whether that means picking them up or dragging them by a leash, in an emergency, move your dog. When we were stuck in the street, we picked the dog up and we moved. And this was a very heavy husky, but we had to move him because we were stuck in the middle of the street. Now, I'll tell you the little story about the husky. He was a four-year-old husky, beautiful dog. Halfway through the street, he decides to stop. The owner did not know what to do. It was panicking. We, we got it. So they had done this several times. When the dog stopped in the middle of the street, the owner would go back to where the dog was walking, which was on the sidewalk before they crossed, right? So they're on the, the left side of the sidewalk. They go to cross the street, stop, stop in the middle of the street, and they go back to the left side instead of going all the way to the right side. Why is this a problem? Well, the dog learned that if it wanted to stay on the left side, all it had to do was stop in the middle of the street, and the owner would take it back. Now, that happened to be in the direction towards home, not in the direction of going for a longer walk. The dog didn't enjoy the walk because he got tired. He was a husky. It's probably warm weather, and he just got tired and exhausted of walking. He wanted to go lay down. And I know what you're thinking. Huskies don't get tired. This husky did. They wanted to do agility. They wanted to run around, and this husky would just constantly be tired. Did not want to do anything. It was lethargic. It was lazy. Totally fine. That's a fine animal to have. I'd rather have a nice, relaxed dog and sometimes get them excited than have a dog that is completely out of its mind and you can never tire the thing out. This is where you know having a couch potato and a Belgian Malinois are very, very different. You can teach them to be calm, but in most cases, they just have this amount of energy. They have this athleticism that needs to be expressed just like people. So if you have a lethargic dog, what do you do? Well, maybe you set up your route to be very short and you reward them for moving constantly moving to the end, right? I would, in that situation, again, if it's not an emergency, I would wait in the middle of the street and I'd start tossing treats to the other side of the street. Now, at first glance, you might say, oh, why aren't you bribing the dog to get over there? Absolutely, because I want the dog to move. So I'm going to bribe the dog to get over there. Once they get over there, they're going to get the treats. But now in the back of my mind, I'm going to say, okay, next time we have a training session, this is what we're going to work on. I'm going to teach my dog to target across the street so we never get stuck in the middle of the street again almost a guide dog right if a blind individual is walking with a guide dog that dog is taught to target the curb they actually put their front paws on the curb and then the blind person would say forward or walk and the dog would take up the curb it gives the handler the opportunity to step onto the curb in a safe way but to get across the street very quickly the dog has to do it in a straight line 
That's what I would end up teaching my dog. If they're constantly getting stuck in the middle of the street, I'm going to teach them that getting to the other side of the street as powerful and as strong as possible will get you a reward. So let's get to the other side of the street, and then I'll give you something of value, whatever that may be. Hell, I'll even get them to the other side of the street, and if they wanted to go back, I'll let them go back across the street. That's totally fine, but we're not stopping in the middle of the street anymore. That's just not safe, and it's not something I want to continue and reward by having to go back once you stop in the middle of the street. Right? Stop in the middle of the street. If I go back and I give them what they want, I reward them. So I'm going to get them to do something I want first, and then I'll reward them. Always going to reward them. Just determines what am I rewarding? Am I rewarding what they did, thinking that that's the good solution, or something that I really want to see later on in the future? So what happens if your dog isn't lethargic? They have a lot of energy, right? They're a puppy, let's say, and they just put the brakes on. It could be anxiousness. It could be a certain level of nervousness. They just, they don't understand what's in front of them. And so they freeze. That means you have to do a lot of confidence building. You have to build up their willingness to go into new situations, new environments and be rewarded for it. So again, I would use a little bit of a bribe. I might put a trail of treats on the floor so that they move, they get up, they start getting treats and they're rewarded for that movement. Then I'd make sure I'm rewarding them a hell of a lot Whenever we get close to whatever it was they were uh, stressed about, whatever it was, it could have been a person, it could have been a car, it could have been a sound, whatever caused them to panic and freeze, I would want to make sure I work on. The sound, do it in my house, go on YouTube, type in dog desensitization, play those while I'm working with my dog, while I'm playing with my dogs. They get used to those sounds, right? July's around the corner. You should be starting to work on fireworks right now so that your dog is comfortable with fireworks when the time comes. So working on all of this might seem like a lot. But if your dog is stopping, there's a deeper rooted issue. They don't just stop because they stop. Another thing that sometimes happens is they stopped once or twice, but they got you to give them something, right? What happens? We go, hey, come on, what are you doing? And so we start talking to them. We start engaging with them more than we were previously. So they go, oh, if I want my mom's attention, if I want my dad's attention, I'm just going to plant my feet. They're going to try everything under the sun. They're going to pet me. They're going to pick me up. They're going to pull out the treats. They're going to do all this stuff. Why weren't you doing that before? Hey, guys, I just want to take a moment to thank today's sponsor. Sponsor for today's episode is Anchor. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. First of all, it's free, and there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Anchor will even distribute your podcast for you, so it can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership, and it's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. That's where this podcast was made, and maybe that'll be where your podcast will be made. Download the free Anchor app or go to Anchor FM to get started. If you did that before, they wouldn't stop. They would love to be with you and engage with you. And if you follow the PDF download in the description, one of the steps is building engagement, having them move with you and enjoy being with you. If you do that part right, they're never going to stop. They're going to move with you. That's literally one of the steps is to have them engage and move with you. If you can do that, there's no need to think about, oh, why are they stopping? The simple answer is, why aren't they moving with you? It's not so much, what's the cause of this problem? And I think we get so hung up on that. What is the cause of this? Why are they doing this? Because we like to think analytically. Really, you should think, how can I get my dog to do the opposite of what they're doing? 
How can I get them to move? Well, very simply, I'm going to reward movement. I'm going to reward them for moving. Oftentimes what happens is we teach our dog to stop unintentionally. We don't mean to teach them to stop, but they end up doing it because that's what they think they should be doing. I'll put it to you this way. If you walk with your dog, let's say you're teaching loose leash walking, and you're walking with your dog, you're having a grand old time, and you're going to reward them. Most people will stop, pull out the treat, and give it to their dog. What did that teach the dog? To stop with you, which is great 90% of the time. However, it doesn't teach your dog to walk with you. That's where we create a problem. So if I'm going to be walking with my dog, I'm going to mark while they're walking with me, and then I'm going to stop and give them a treat. Because marking tells them what they're doing in that moment is the reason they're getting the treat in the first place. If I stop and give them a treat without marking that movement with me, I run into the problem of them thinking that their stopping is good. Oh, they want another treat? Well, they're going to stop again. And if your timing is off, if you're stopping and they're stopping, and then you give a treat, that's good. If they're stopping and you're stopping, giving them a treat. Now they're learning that stopping before you is the way to get the treat. Stopping makes you stop, which gives them the treat, not stopping because you stop. It's very, very, very uh, particular. Those are the kinds of things that when you've worked with thousands of dogs, I have you pick up on these subtle nuances. Once you pick up on those subtle nuances, it becomes very clear. But until you've trained thousands and thousands of dogs, you're not going to see those things right away. That's why I hope this episode and these shows, my knowledge can be of use to you. I've done all that research. I've done all that work. I've seen all those dogs. You've only seen the handful of dogs that you've experienced in life. Maybe you've seen a thousand dogs, but how many have you worked with and worked through the problems with, right? You take, take my advice, use it or don't use it. It's completely up to you. I recommend using it. <laughs> of course, I think that's the best solution. You're listening to this already. So if you take my advice, and you, you dwell on it, and you think about it, oh, will that make sense to my dog? Maybe I should try it. If it doesn't make sense, there might be something off, or maybe you didn't understand fully of what the context was, or your dog isn't ready for that step. And if your dog isn't ready for that step, then it's not going to help at all. If your dog can't focus and engage with you outside because they're too stressed or they're too distracted, then trying to move with them and stop with them isn't going to help either. Again, download that PDF. It goes exactly through walking with your dog peacefully by the way. It's three steps to a peaceful walk, not, not three steps to having your dog walk with you perfectly at your side in a nice little heel, no matter what's going on. Three steps to a peaceful walk where you're not worried, you're not stressed. You don't stop in the middle of the road. If you work on engagement first and then you teach them to move with you, I promise your dog will not stop. So what do you do if you've done that? You've done engagement. You've done everything right everything you could possibly do right, and your dog still stops. What do you do? Do you just give up? Do you go back to the beginning, which you should. You should make sure you did everything right. But what do you do if your dog is still stopping? They're just locked in. There's no way that they're going to continue moving on. Well, you could shape the behavior. You could shape them moving. What does that look like? So you're walking along, and your dog stops, and they should have moved with you. Now, we've already deduced that there might be a level of nervousness. Look around. Let's gauge the room. Is there anything going on that they would be nervous about? Anything at all? Okay, there's nothing there. There's literally nothing there. 
Are they fixated on anything? Are they distracted by anything? Right? Is there a squirrel going by? Is there another dog going by? Why might they stop? Figure out what that is first. If you can't see anything, probably is something, we're just not seeing it because human beings are not as perceptive as most dogs are. So you could call their name. You could do a little recall game. Right? So my dog stops. I say, Hawk, come. He moves with me. Mark, reward it. I can continue on my walk. If they do it again, hmm, I could call them again. But now we're getting into a pattern. And I don't want to get into that pattern. The pattern is my dog stops. I recall them. I give them a treat. What ends up happening there is our dog does the bad thing or the thing we don't want them to do in order to do the good things so they can get the treat. They're, they figured out the system. And very smart dogs do this very quickly. And they're very good at it. So after two or three times, now, okay, this is a pattern. I don't want to keep this going. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the time to teach my dog to move with me again. But I'm going to do it a lot more simply. I'm going to use my left foot as the indicator to move with me. I'm going to take my left foot and I'm going to move. And then I'm going to wait. I could toss a treat. I wouldn't lure a dog. I could toss a treat there to get them up and moving. And then I'd mark the second they got up to follow the treat. And then I give them a second treat. Now I'll do it again. I move my left foot. I toss a treat. They go after the treat. I mark right as they get up and move. Then I give them another treat. Now I move my left foot and I pretend to toss a treat. They get up looking for the treat. I mark and then I give them another treat. Sometimes they'll continue to try to look for the treat that you tossed and sometimes they won't care. I'm going to look for when they don't care. So you're still going to mark when they get up. But if they look for the treat, you're still going to offer them the, the second treat. If they take it good, if they don't, that's fine. Wait for them. They'll turn towards you again. Give them a treat and then mark and reward again. Looking up to you faster. Then you're going to do this again. So maybe you fake toss the treat three or four times. Now we're going to take that left foot. We're going to step and we're going to not do anything. Don't do anything. Okay. If your dog then moves, great. Mark and reward. You're going to wait. You're going to be patient. We've set them up for this. They should know exactly what to do. Oh, the left foot moves and then the treat might get tossed. So now the left foot moved. Let me get up and look for a treat. They start looking, mark, and then reward. Now you have a dog who is thinking about your foot. Thinking about moving with your leg consistently. Ooh, when that leg moves, I get up and I start moving. Now this comes from, if you step off with your left foot, a dog would heal with you. If you step off with your right foot, then the dog doesn't heal with you. That's a really strong way to get your dog to understand there's a difference between when you want them to walk with you and when you don't want them to walk with you without having to say anything, right? I can just go. As long as I think about what my legs are doing, I can just go and I don't have to say heal. I don't have to say stay. I don't have to say sit. I can just do it. I was watching a wonderful trainer. She taught her dog that when her feet are parallel to stand, and then once her feet click together in a 45-degree angle with their heels touching, they would sit. Beautiful. I thought it was beautiful. And the dog could pick up on that subtle cue. So you can teach those subtle cues to have your dog continually walk with you. But realistically, if your dog is stopping, there's probably something else going on. They're nervous about something. They're, you know, they're, they're stressed. They're unsure. So you have to figure out what that is. And again, if you can't find out any of that, maybe have someone else ask. Well, record it. You can find something later on. Maybe there was a bird overhead. Maybe there was a car that went by that you didn't see because you were looking this way. There's something going on that you're not perceiving, and possibly. I always tell myself that there's something going on I'm not seeing. Why didn't my dog sit? Maybe there's something going on I didn't see. 
whether they have a piece of fluff on their butt and they're just awkward about it. They don't like the water. I've done, you know, obedience out in the rain simply because my dogs don't like water. They love playing in water, but they don't like walking in water, going to the bathroom in the rain. They love running into a pool or into a lake. They love it. But when there's a small puddle on the ground, they will avoid it at all costs. So I tell my dog to sit in the rain. I need them to sit. But there's some variable that's going on there, and it's the rain, that we haven't practiced in enough. So there might be something with your puppy or your dog that you just haven't practiced enough of, and that's why they're stopping. They're frozen. They don't know what to do. One more thing I mentioned about when your dog stops. When you pull on the leash and they resist, right, just like in the thumbnail of this video, you pull back on the leash. That's an opportunity They're trying to control trying to control their balance, their weight, right? So when they get pulled forward, they're like, ah, I don't want to fall, so I'm going to pull back. When that happens, don't keep pulling. And don't reward that. Don't pull. Okay. I know what you're thinking. Why wouldn't I pull my dog? Yes, in an emergency, pull your dog. Get them, get them out of the situation. But if you pull your dog and they pull back and then you give in, they go, oh, perfect. I can just fight my dad or my mom and I won't have to go forward. If we keep pulling, what ends up happening is this will escalate next time. Oh, well, pulling at you know, level two didn't work, so I'm going to pull level five. I'm going to pull back at level five, I mean. So now we're teaching our dog to be more stubborn and stronger in holding their ground. I don't want to do that. I want to get my dog to move out of their free will. One, because if they're stressed, I can build up their confidence by doing that. And two, if it's because they're distracted or nervous or something, I don't want to teach them that the leash and being dragged around is normal. Actually, I want dogs to be off leash, especially for emergency cases. They run out of the house to do something they shouldn't do, the leash breaks, whatever it is. I want them to be comfortable off leash. So I'm going to teach them to be off leash at some point. So pretend that the leash is not there. It is simply a safety mechanism in an emergency. You can pull your dog. But every other time, pretend your dog is only coming with you because they want to be with you, because they are focused on you. The leash has no consequence. If your dog is struggling to understand leash walking, please take advantage of the free download in the description. Click on it. It's the steps to a peaceful walk. It's super, super simple. It's a follow-along PDF guide. You'll know exactly what to do when you watch it or read it, rather. <laughs> when you read it, you'll know exactly. If you're looking for training, I have a six-week reactivity course where you work with me as long with course videos to make sure that you are having that kind of follow-through when we're not meeting once a week. Training.matadorcanine.com slash six-week coaching. That is the link. It's going to be in the description as well. Training.matadorcanine.com slash six-week coaching. Let's work together. Let's get your dog to where you guys can enjoy the nice weather that's coming. You can hang out with friends and family and not worry about your dog causing a ruckus and an entire scene. Thank you guys for listening, and I'll see you guys next time.